0: Well, everybody, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Roundtable. It is our weekly roundtable that we do every single Tuesday night, for your all's pleasure. Uh, On this week's show, we have over-unders for the Big 12 in 2022, courtesy of our friends at BetOnline, BetOnline BetOnline.net. And also, could the SEC be making their own playoff, and what does that mean for conferences like the Big 12 and everybody else? All that and more coming up on the show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big
1: 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: All right, once again, hello everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 podcast. Joining me tonight, it is to my right, Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. Below him, it is John Williams of Locked On Sooners. And to his left, below me, it is Jake Hatch of Locked On Cougars covering all things BYU. Um, before we go on tonight, we have to mention something very sad and tragic happened today, a shooting in our own Big 12 footprint, as we mentioned, in um, Uvalde, Texas. And, look, this show, guys, we've always talked about this. This is one of the best parts of all of our weeks. We love doing it. We've gotten great feedback on this from everybody who likes to listen to it. And we will tra- pr- you know, try and provide – as much of an escape as we can here coming up but um you know I, I wanted to just open the floor if everybody wanted to share anything i mean i don't have children obviously I mean, this is you know awful horrible but you guys are all fathers of young children and so i can only imagine the anxiety and the you know the fear and the sadness that you guys are feeling and also i'm sure there are many people out there who listen to this podcast watch this podcast who are feeling the same thing so if any of you gentlemen would like to say anything before we get going, it's it's happened in our own backyards. This is the Big 12 footprint. So, you know, we're talking about it a little bit, but we'll try to provide you guys with, with an escape as we always do. But, you know, I feel like we have to address this off the top. So, Steven, John, Jake, if you guys have anything, you guys can go ahead.
1: Yeah, obviously just a horrible and tragic situation and um, mm-hmm. prayers go out to the families that were affected there. And you've all the – as you mentioned, like, you know, we all have kids. And my, my son Bradley is actually – his last day of kindergarten's tomorrow. Um, and when I saw this news, to be quite honest, I was a little nervous about taking him to school tomorrow. You know, it's just, you, you never think it's going to happen in your backyard, but um, obviously th- this community was struck with horrific event and just seeing pictures of, you know, parents waiting to find out what's going on with their kids. I can't imagine um, the sadness, the anxiety, just the desperation of feeling so helpless and, Uh, yeah I mean it it sounds very empty and hollow because of of what went down and obviously we're just kind of speaking on a show but um, I mean we you know we empathize with those people we feel their pain as much as we can and uh, obviously thankful um, for the law enforcement officers that you know were courageous and stormed in there and uh, did their best given the tragic circumstances
2: yeah I think I think Stephen kind of said it perfectly you know we, we can't know everything that they're feeling, um, but we definitely know what it might. I mean, we can imagine a little bit of what it might feel like, you know, like our, my heart is broken um, about this. My day just really kind of stopped down this afternoon and I didn't really know what to say, what to do, except just hold my kids close. And, um, you know, we were talking on the show, you know, just before or before we got on the show about how my kids were sick at the end of last week and you know, how we just had some, some moments, you know, in, in hotel rooms on our vacation where, you know, it's kind of, kind of hard to take care of the kids, but you know, the, the two nights that we were in the room, I was snuggling my baby boy cause he didn't want to sleep in a crib. Um, uh, he was having a hard time sleeping. So he just slept with me on the bed and, uh, you, you, you think of the, the hard times sometimes a little bit differently when you hear about something like this and it, it puts a lot of things in perspective. And, uh, I think Steve Kerr really kind of had the best thoughts on it. And that's where a lot of my feelings go towards this is frustration in that. Why is it that this is something that has to come up as often as it comes up? Like, why are we still still dealing with this in 2022?
0: And yeah. I'm with you on that.
3: Jake. Yeah, just real quick, amen to both what John and uh, Stephen both have said. But the one thing is my kids are both uh, in preschool. They're actually in the same class together right now. My daughter's going to be going to kindergarten this coming fall, and their graduation from preschool is tomorrow. So Hmm. it really kind of hits home because that school uh, there in Uvalde, their final day of classes apparently was Thursday this week. It's just yeah horrific horrific tragic heartbreaking all those things and more so yeah i'm just gonna echo what the guys said and just hey our thoughts and prayers go out to the families affected by this but there needs to be more done on all of our parts
0: yeah uh and so you know all those out there i know there are people uh from san antonio listen to locked on big 12 from that area you know from from the surrounding areas uh who listen to this show and so i hope all of you all are doing well and i hope this gives you some kind of you know respite from what's been going on Um, And let's not also forget about the people of of Buffalo who are obviously just recently Mm -hmm. affected too. I think too often we kind of move on to the next one and that's really sad that we do this. Um, But I just want you guys to keep thinking about that, everybody out there. All right. So we will talk some football. Let's get to it. Um, You know, I know it's, uh, it's been, you know, a crazy time on all, on all these things we're talking about, but there, you know, we'll give you guys some positivity. So, um, and let's have some fun here. This week there were over as overs and unders out from our friends at betonline and betonline.net for the Big 12 in 2022. We had the odds come out, and these are the um, the over-unders. So, uh, actually, I think I have the odds right here. So, here are the odds that we saw. Oklahoma, the favorite, plus 175. Texas, 2-1. to Oklahoma State was 5-1. to Baylor was, you know, plus 750. The really interesting part about this, guys, is that look at the top four teams. All four of those teams have the same over-under win total. So while Vegas might have some ideas about who should be the one and the two, um, they're still a little perplexed about what to do with the odds. And I think the over-under win totals actually tell us a little bit more than those odds did Vegas really doesn't have any idea. And even you see the next clumping, you got uh, another four teams there that are three teams at six and a half, two teams at five and a half, uh, right, right there. So you got to think like Vegas really, uh, you know, at this point, doesn't really know how to feel. John, what were your reactions? when you saw this and also talk about that Sooners number because you and I had the same reaction. half. <laughs>
2: Yeah, smash the over on the Sooners. I talked about it on yesterday's episode of Locked On Sooners. Uh, that To me, that's just easy money. There's only been three instances since the year 2000 in which the Oklahoma Sooners have won fewer than nine games. Three times. So if you like trends and you like you like odds, you like your odds about the Oklahoma Sooners and the over. I think what it says is pretty much what you said is that the the top of the Big 12 is going to be really, really tight. It's gonna be really, really close, and we're probably not gonna see much separation between those four teams until late November, in the you know the last two three weeks of the season. There's a lot of question marks with a lot of these teams. There's a lot to think positively about with these four teams, but I think what it just what it says is like, who knows? It's gonna be a pretty wide open race. I think there's a pretty solid pecking order between those four, at least on paper but they're going to be pretty tight. And I think it's going to be a tight race all year long.
0: And I just have to mention, you know, the one reason why I've already, I've already wagered on the Oklahoma over is because there is one, now there's one game we know that they're going to be a dog in and that's right now it's a Texas game. And look, you know, th- them being underdog in that game tells me literally nothing. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if, Oh, use a three point favorite it doesn't matter if Texas, three point favorite, right? we, we last year was the ultimate example of who the hell knows how that game is going to go, but their schedule, I don't see another game where I can tell you, I think they're going to be underdogs. Now, obviously an injury or something like this could change the story here, but I don't see that. So I'm with you on that. Steven, you're awfully familiar with Baylor. I'm on, I'm, I saw that number and that's actually the one team I felt best about going the under on. Um, i i think you know they're in transition right now losing so much on defense and they switch quarterbacks right they, they've kind of admit, mm-hmm. okay we have to do better on offense so i think that could make for some regression eight and four mm-hmm. though not, would not be a horrible place to land i just feel better going in that direction what are your thoughts on baylor there at eight and a half
1: yeah i mean i could see under being a popular bet you mentioned um the the upheaval there with gary bohannon transferring you're bringing in blake shape and you got a lot of you know, adjustments on defense and that non-conference schedule. I mean, you play Albany, like that should be a dub, obviously Texas state. You feel at good BYU. about that, but at BYU, that's tough. And I mean, like we'll talk about this later on. We discuss other teams. I don't, I know it's one game. There's a huge difference between being three and O and two and one. When we talk about like these over-unders and sort of setting up right. the rest of the season. Um, you know, you also have some tougher road trips for them. They go to Morgantown uh, they go to Ames. They go to Lubbock this year. That Texas Tech game for a long time was at at and Stadium. It would have been a neutral site game for a while. Um, they go to Austin and play Texas. So, and yeah. Norman. I think, and and Norman. Norman. I mean, I mean yeah. they have a gauntlet on the road this year. So, it's, um, I could definitely see it being a popular bet. I think if you are, you know, sticking with Baylor in the over, you're betting that they find a way to win in Provo. Um, and you're just betting on the fact that the continuity within the coaching staff, which seems kind of crazy to say, because, I mean, this will be year three for Aranda, really in some ways year two, because he, his first year was in the COVID season. Um, year two of Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos and some of that staff. You're replacing a lot of skill talent, too. I think, you know, that is an important aspect here. I, I think the way that offensive line is pretty solid up front, you know, the running production shouldn't drop off too much. Uh, but Tyquan Thornton's an NFL wide receiver uh, that that they lost last year. So those are all things that they're going to figure out. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely see why the under uh, is is tempting there because of that schedule and just because of you know the regression of a team that had so many experienced players last year.
0: Yeah, and I'm going right now. Is going to the let's see they they have BYU is BYU even up yet? Jake, did they give you all one?
3: No, so BYU because they're not in the Big Twelve is not Power Five, so they are still waiting to get their number from Bet Online. So, so if they were to play in the Big
0: Twelve, what would you set it at this year?
3: Uh, if they're playing in the Big Twelve, I'd actually probably have it sitting at seven and a half. That's probably okay. right. If, if they were in the Big Twelve, the way things stand right now, i wouldn't gonna guess my my venture is that they'll probably set it at eight and a half, and possibly even nine and a half for BYU.
0: And So would you say this year compared to last year, BYU schedule is easier, harder? Like, do you think this year their schedule is going to get them very well prepared for the for their for Big 12 play next year?
3: I do think it will. They've got four preseason top 25 teams in there. Baylor's one of those. they got Notre Dame. they, they some. They got a decent schedule this year. Do, yeah. I, think I think it's fairly comparable to last year's schedule. Last year's schedule didn't necessarily pan out the way that most people thought going in with seven power five games. But if everything goes according to plan this year for BYU, I think they'll be pretty well prepared going into Big 12. All right. So I'm going to ask you guys to take one more look at these.
0: Um, I'm going to ask you guys in a little bit about one that you feel really good about. All right. Over and one, you feel really good about under, but Steven, I'm going to kick it back to you now just to go to one of those teams in that middle tier, your TCU Horn Frogs sitting at six and a half right now, your thoughts about Sonny Dykes heading into year one is six and a half the right number for the frogs here in year one.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good number. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, speaking of big non-conference games, TC will travel to Dallas and take on SMU. And, wow, what a trip. <laughs> yeah. I'm so far and away. All, all 10 SMU fans are very upset <laughs> about Sonny Dykes leaving them. There's multiple people <laughs> with trust funds and many lawyers in the Dallas area that have been told to be upset and angry about Sonny Dykes betraying the, you know, the mighty hilltop. So, I think there will be uh, a pretty good and lubricated atmosphere there. And, you know, that game is is intriguing because I feel like it was sort of when the season fell apart for TCU the last couple of years. Like there was some optimism around this crew. And you know they seem to be rolling well. Uh, and then they just got smacked in the mouth by SMU. And afterwards, you know, the season really took a tumble. Um, and it's a game that SMU gets up for. So I think that will tell a lot about, where they are, and if they're able to, you know, get past it. And then once you do that, if you find a way to go 3-0, and um, you got to find a way to win four conference games. Um, and it, it's, it's funny because, like, some of the teams they've had a lot of success against, Texas Tech also has a first-year head coach in Joe McGuire. Um, they've really whooped up on the Red Raiders the last few years. We'll see if that holds true. Uh, you know, they have to go to Lawrence, and that should be a dub, but obviously, like, Kansas will be somewhat improved. Um, so you have to win those games and then you have to beat some teams like Kansas state and West Virginia that you haven't fared well against the last few seasons, even though they've kind of been on that same tier with you of the middle towards the bottom. So I think seven wins is very attainable. If I had to bet, I would take the over. Um, but I mean, you're betting on this team, turning things around, like even as bad as last, even as bad as they were at times last year, they still found a way to finish five and seven. You know, they've, found a way to steal that game against Baylor. If they can do something like that again and win all their non-conference games, I feel good about seven wins. Um, And I think this offense will be improved, but quarterback position is still up in the air. You have a defense that was very bad last year and is turning over uh, to a new system and turning over um, a lot of players. So there's, there's a ton of unknown there with TCU. I think it's probably one that if you're looking for big 12 teams to target, you might just want to stay away from that one altogether. I, I will say this. So I'm not sure, like, how do you guys look at schedules?
0: Because I break it up into quadrants or quadrants. Well, I break it up into pods. So I look at the schedule. I go in groups of four normally. And I think about that. Like, okay, like, what, what will your record be in this group of four games? tcu has got a really difficult group of, like, they're when you group the games into fours, it's very challenging. Colorado, Mighty Tarleton, and then uh, SMU, and Oklahoma. okay, like that kind of feels like that feels like two and two to me. it feels like two and two now I wanted that would involve an upset, but you know, but sure. Then you got KU, Oklahoma State, Kansas State and West Virginia. like maybe a three and one but probably a two and two. and then Texas, Tech, Texas, Baylor, and Iowa State like kind of a, I kind of feel like it's two and two. So you know, they have a pretty balanced schedule, I'd say Stephen, um, heading into this year. John, do you do you look at schedules and, and and all like that, or am I just a weirdo for breaking up? <laughs> no,
2: that's the Bill Parcells uh, way of looking at an NFL schedule. At least when it was a sixteen game season in the NFL, no, I think that's a fair way to do it. I, I kind of look at it a little bit similarly, but I, you kind of break it up into quads, but like three game stretches. So you get your three non conference games, and then your first three, you know, kind of like that. Um, I like to look at the home and away. I think that matters a little bit. But for Oklahoma over the last several years, it's been what are the games that are potential traps? Because, I mean, they've not been able to avoid an upset loss, whether it was Iowa State or Kansas State or Baylor, Oklahoma State this last year. Uh, and so I'm, I'm looking at like what are the teams that could potentially jump up and get Oklahoma this year? And you know, the Texas game is always one that's a coin flip, no matter what's going on with the records, how the two teams look on paper, how they've looked in the season leading up to the Red River shootout. it's hard to know because again, so many, so many of these teams have lost so much or they're turning over so much Oklahoma included that it's really hard to know what these teams are going to look like right now as we sit in May, but I still have a pretty good feeling about Oklahoma heading into the season. Um, And yeah, I think their schedule lines up pretty well in the fact that they've got Baylor coming to them. They've got Kansas state coming to them. You know, Texas is always neutral, but um, I, I think their schedule does, Sit pretty well. They do have to make a Thursday night trip uh, to Ames, Iowa, uh, for that mm-hmm. Iowa State mm-hmm. game, which is going to be weird. It's going to be weird playing on a Thursday night, but they're going to have a ten days rest before heading into that game. So that 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 kind of makes up for the the oddity of playing on a Thursday night. Um, so that's going to be a tough road trip for them. But still, I think Oklahoma schedule works out pretty well. I think they catch Iowa State in a year where they're kind of in a big rebuild. After losing several mm. big pieces to their team from last season. So um yeah, I like where Oklahoma schedule lands. I like that eight and a half. I obviously we talked about it before. You know, it's that's an easy over for me.
0: They get Kansas 10 days off Iowa State, then they get eight days off for Baylor, which is yeah. really they get the time off of Baylor. That's really nice. Um when you look at the schedules, Jake,
3: how do you like to break things up in your mind when you're thinking a hey, win-loss type deal? How do you usually do that? So I've kind of come around. I see what you guys are saying with the quads and whatnot. I'm actually more of I look at the home in a way where games are being played in these matchups, and I'll kind of go off of reputation and just kind of look at that. Reputation meaning looking at kind of how they're projected to go into a season for any individual team. So I kind of look at, okay, let's say a team, if you're playing at Oklahoma, well, I'm going to be more apt to say, okay, that's going to be an L for you versus maybe playing at home against a team like Iowa State. So I kind of look at it that way. Um, if you'll throw the graphic up, I actually I, – I need to see the number on yeah. uh, one of those real quick. Uh, so, uh, you, you mentioned the one that I think I, I'm happy to take the over on. I'm with John. Hit the over on the Sooners. That seems mm-hmm. eight and a half, seems like free money there. The one I am looking at and saying, okay, I may take the under on this just because I'm just not a huge believer in them. I, man. That West Virginia number, I'm just not 100% certain on what West Virginia is going to be. Uh, So we'll see. Five and a half seems like the right number for West Virginia, but I'm just not 100% certain as to what West Virginia is going to look like. So that may be the one I would put the money on them potentially hitting right on five. So I'm trying to split. That's a good
0: segue. Let's do these now. And also, uh, you know. I'm barely going to do this bet online read. We've been doing a bet online read for the last 20 minutes, basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> bet online, it's where the game starts. Dot uh, net. You know, dot bet online, bet online, dot net. This is compelling theater. It's a compelling conversation. Bet online, you're welcome. We've just done a, a 17 minute ad read for you. <laughs> um, there you go. So, guys, when I look at these, okay, so let's go to those top four, right? Baylor, I'm I'm thinking under. Sooners, I'm going over. Oklahoma State and Texas are the ones up top where I'm like, mm, I, I don't know. I think Texas goes over. I'm not really sure. Then I go to the Sixers, uh, not the Philadelphia 76ers, just the this the six and a half lines that we have there. Iowa That's State, awesome. Kansas State, TCU, right? I really don't know which direction. I will, I, I will say it feels like Matt Campbell should get the benefit of the doubt here, but I really don't know and then i do look at those fives and i gotta think either texas tech or west virginia is going over here's the thing texas tech schedule is really really tough really tough and i'm not really sure who's catching the football for them this year west virginia their non-conference schedule is really really tough they play virginia tech on the road And they play Pitt on the road. Now, Pitt, I don't know how good they're going to be. You know, no Jordan Addison now. Obviously, no Kenny Pickett. So, there's a big adjustment there. But, like, that's a really difficult schedule. I will say, the one, guys, where I am feeling really good, and here is an over for you all, the Kansas Jayhawks. I am going over. Last year, guys, I bet the over on 1.5. And guess what? Thank you, Texas Longhorns. We hit that. We took that one to the bank. We cashed that one. This season at two and a half, all right? They've got an FCS opponent, I believe. It is Tennessee Tech. So you give me one right there. They have got the Duke Blue Devils at home and Mike Elko's first year. You can give me two right there. Then you have nine opportunities to (laughs) get me one. Nine chances. And I bet one of those days of the week, one of, one of those Saturdays, you can get me a you can get me a win. I, I'm gonna say right now, I'm gonna go with either Iowa State at home. Sorry, Stephen go with maybe TCU at home. Um, rough the rest of the way, Not So I think they can get one of those two. I'm kind of with you. I talked about
2: it on, on my yeah. show last night. Like Kansas, that, I'm really intrigued by the over there. And I don't know if I'm just buying all the Lance Leipold stock or just drinking all the, the blue Kool Aid or whatnot. But I don't know. Kansas has me believing that they're on the uptick and that three wins, it seems possible and very reasonable for this team. And I, again, I don't know why, but I, yeah, I like the three. You know, the two and a half going over on that for Kansas. I'm kind of with you on, on Oklahoma state. I, I or I don't know if you mentioned it, but I'm, I'm kind of down on Oklahoma state. I think they're going to go under on that. Uh, Baylor as well. I think Texas hits the over. Um, I think they're going to be a pretty good team, unfortunately, but yeah, that middle, that yep. middle pack is going to be weird. I think Kansas state isn't over, but Iowa state's an under.
0: I will say if like, if Texas completely, completely collapses, then Kansas, Texas at, at in Lawrence later in the season, like could be a prime, prime spot. Although I don't think college game to day. back to back years. Yeah, college game, day. Yeah, <laughs> game if, day. I mean, if that thing completely implodes for for Texas, here's the thing I just think Lance Leipold's a good coach. And like, I think with a full year, they, they won two last year and they had a bunch of games they were close. You know, that TCU game down the stretch was, was close, right, Stephen? The West yeah. Virginia game was pretty close most of the way. They get the Texas win. They, they were close in the OU game. They were close the first half against Coastal. They were beating Duke. Like, they did that all with no, no coaching in the offseason. Like, he was not there until the end of spring ball. So, a full year with that guy at the, at the helm, I'm, I'm pretty high. Stephen, do you have any overs or unders you
1: feel pretty confident in? Yeah, I'll stay away from the Kansas bet. That was a tasty one to me, too. But you guys laid out the path. You gotta beat the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, I mean, give me Iowa give me Iowa State with the over. I I, I respect Matt Campbell. I know they're replacing it a ton. Brees Hall is done. Brock Purdy used all 17 years of his college eligibility. <laughs> um, but still, like I just think they have a formula to win. They're gonna play defense, they're gonna be physical, they're gonna be hard-nosed. Now, Iowa State, can you find a way? to beat your in-state rival, the Iowa Hawkeyes, because that's been a tricky Probably thing not. to do. Probably not. Um, but then can you win five conference games? I think that's doable. So I would take the over on Iowa State. As far as the under goes, I mean, John mentioned it. I'll kind of expand on it. Oklahoma State, um, I am not on Spencer Sanders Island with Josh Neighbors, even though, you know, I know he can that, be really That condo, really is, the, the
0: condo might get sold this season. I'm just saying, <laughs> you. The, the real
1: estate might, might be on the market. I think that defense takes a step back. Now their non-conference schedule is pretty easy. I feel like they're going to end up three and zero, but still eight and a half. I mean that means you're winning six conference games. I, I appreciate Mike Gundy. I think he's a good coach. Sorry, Linda, don't kill me, but I feel like the Pokes uh, go under the the eight and a half mark there. I'm just realizing now, like when this week hits, when it's the Duke.
0: The Duke Kansas weekly. Like everybody else can be watching like some other good game, and I'll be on my couch being. be FS2. locked in. I'll be on FS2, being like, a guys, or or actually for me, it might be on Raycom Sports, which has got the ACC game of the week of Kansas versus Duke, brought to you by phone. <laughs> That's a real thing that happens here in, in my neck of the woods. Uh, Josh.
3: He's just out there in this KU gear, just going. if I, rocks, yeah, rocks, if rocks. I, if I had my
0: my girlfriend would kill <laughs> me if she saw me wearing KU gear as I'm do alone. But I, I'll sneak it on for that game.
3: Um, Jake, do you have any that you feel pretty confident in? So I mentioned the fact that I think West Virginia. I right. I'm with you. The West Virginia Texas Tech deal. One I feel like is going over. One's going under. I'm just it, it, I'm I'm feeling like West Virginia. Just so many unknowns. Neil Brown's so tenuous with his position there in in Morgan morgantown i just i don't know about west virginia i'm with you guys on kansas i think three is very doable with lance leipold i'm drinking all the lance leipold uh kool-aid i, I think the dude is the winner and if given the requisite amount of time he will get them rolling there in lawrence the one interesting one to me is is uh, iowa state because matt campbell just seems to pull out wins randomly if that makes sense nice. like i could see them very easily going seven or eight wins and going over
0: yeah, I, I it could definitely happen. Where I'll be like, well, this is this is where Matt Campbell lives. Um, the Doubt tech him. without him at your own. peril. at yeah, your own peril. Right. Yeah. This is right. This honestly, like this. If there's any year where they could beat Iowa, like this is the year. where It's like they suck, and they go to Ames or they go to um, they go to Iowa City and mm-hmm. get it done. We're like this son of a bitch. <laughs> he, he thought we. He thought you know he had us all full down year. Xavier Hutchinson catches, you know, eight passes for 250 and three touchdowns. Um, Texas Tech, though, guys, I do want I would circle back to them really fast. This is their first four games. You guys know, me, like to bring up the four. Murray State at home, Houston at home, not, not an easy game, at NC State, and Texas. Then they go to Kansas State. Like, 2-3, 1-4 is not totally out of the – not totally out of the picture. And at that point, you're fighting an uphill climb to get to that, you know, that 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 win total that you need of six. So, I just wanted to point that out. Texting anybody, anything else before we wrap this part up and head to our southeastern conference segment? I just
2: wanted to ask, did everybody see Nebraska's
0: seven and and a
2: half? Seven and a half. I (laughs) am in utter shock by that one. Like, Um, can
0: we compare them to Texas really fast? Like, at least Texas got better players. Yes. And, and so we can justify having their win total eight and a half. What I did Nebraska would,
3: do? I don't know. I don't they know. They lost, they lost every game close, guys. They lost every game close. <laughs> Come the on. Nobody was better at losing close numbers. games than Nebraska. i tell you that. Seven, seven and a half is a complete disservice to Scott Frost. Yeah. yeah. Too much credit. Um, crazy expectations. Is-
1: is there any chance that West Virginia gets to six just because JT Daniels figures something out and as much better so, than we think? I thought about this, but here's a problem with this, With Stephen. Is that –
0: okay, like their offensive line might be good, but do you trust Lynn J. Dixon, who's career Clemson really tanked, and Tony Mathis, who really wasn't all that good? And then the best receiver they have is Bryce Ford Wheaton, and the second one is what, like Sam James? It's like what yeah. – like – I get it. He's really talented. He's back with Graham Harrell and maybe, maybe it works and maybe it's great. And maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but like, are we really buying an offense with a best skill position player by, by a pretty decent, mark? I mean, Bryce for Wheaton's a good player. Like he's, I think he's probably close to being one of the best five receivers in the conference, but like, besides it's much like Iowa state, like besides Xavier Hutchinson, what are you hanging your hat on on the offense? And you know, one guy at the wide receiver spot does not make an offense that's my concern for them. But you know, like Neil Brown's won six games a bunch. So it's, yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those where they might be razor thin there on the edge, but I can't in good faith, put down money on six wins for them. Um, at least right now, not at this point in time, but I, th- you know, once again, like too many variables, you have a quarter, you have a coach who's fighting for his job, who had to bring in a new coordinator to call the plays. you got a five-star quarterback who's barely been healthy, you know, you got a running game. You really don't know if the guys are good. We'll go see how the offensive line does. And you got one pretty good wide receiver, maybe two. So that's where I'm
1: at. All
0: right, friends. Uh, today's show is brought to you all by RockAuto.com. Go to RockAuto.com today for the best prices on parts for your car or truck. Uh, you guys can go there today. When you all do make sure you type in locked on uh, and the, where did you find us box that way? They know we sent you amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, folks. So one of the big stories this week was that uh the SEC has a is exploring the option of having their own playoff. Now, I think uh, I want to say I want to say Pete Thamble had the story originally, um, off the top of my head, I believe it was him but several stories have been written anywhere across the college ball, you know, landscape about this. So this goes back to something we talked about a while ago, the clowns over in the Alliance. Woo, we have a little Alliance. What a bunch of dumbasses! It goes back to that. It, I'm fired up about this, everybody, because you know, Bob Bowlesby, for all the crap he deserves for losing OU in Texas, getting blindsided by it and being like, well, I didn't see it coming. Right. At least he had the common sense to sit down at the table with Greg Sankey, who obviously had a lot to gain from a 12 team expanded playoff. Right. But Bob knew this was the best chance for the big 12s future. Still have a chance to have a seat at the table with the big boys now they they do now, but it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be much more difficult to do so, right? If, if Cincinnati can win the AAC and go then Cincinnati can win the big 12 and go right. Or anybody else the Big win, win the big 12 and go on a four teamer. But because they denied this and now the future of the college football playoff is in doubt. We, this is something legitimate being kicked around in by the Southeastern conference. And John, your team is going there, Oklahoma. I'm sure you wouldn't like to see this overall, but like they could in theory have a have their own 14, you know, the, the 14 pods they do. And then whoever wins all four of those pods can play in one because everybody else sat in their hands and was like, we don't need expansion. There's other issues to deal with. And the SEC might just take their ball and go home. Your thoughts about this. And really, I think Greg Sankey kind of making a, a threat in here and it, a justified one after everybody said, no, we don't need expansion.
2: I mean, it's pretty incredible posturing whether it's like this is how the SEC really feels or not, like this is the equivalent of North Korea rolling out a nuclear warhead to test, you know, like this is the game changer for all of college football that if Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Oklahoma, Texas form their own playoff with their own probably quote unquote national champion and decides, Hey, if you guys want to play us to decide a outright national championship, we're good for that. If not, we're good either way. And Greg Sankey's been very vocal about saying, like, "Hey, we were good at four. We came to the table trying to be kind of inclusive and and be a part of the group, be a part of the collective, and try to do what was best for everybody in college football, including the SEC, but for everybody as a whole." And everybody, the other, the alliance in particular, decided to backtrack on the negotiations that they had had, that led to a potential twelve-team playoff. And I, I think you know, he's justified in some of the frustrations in that. Listen. We're the, we're the guys on top. I mean, as much as I, as a big 12 guy, I'm still a big 12 guy. I love the big 12. I hated kind of seeing that it was going away. I wish they had expanded earlier, but the sec can legitimately say they've been the top conference for the last decade and a half to piss that person off. Like, why would you want to do that? Why would you not want to just like at least keep communication open and then just, you know, just scoff at whatever ideas they have. I mean, they, They could legitimately upset the balance of college football if they decided to go and have their own playoff. I kind of hypothesize maybe the SEC goes to an all-SEC schedule at one point in time a while back. I mean, they're not going to do that. They're looking at a 3-6 model while while they still have out-of-conference scheduling. But if they decide to have their own 4-8 team playoff in the SEC, I mean, that's really going to change the landscape of college football. I kind of like the idea of it. I don't like the idea of it necessarily separate from keeping the the structure of college football, where you're going to get a national champion that has been decided between the Ohio States, the Oregon's, the USC's, the you know, whatever Big Twelve representative, the Clemson's. Like keeping that all together. That's part of what's great about college football is those interconference rivalries and those interconference matchups that we don't see all the time if the sec kind of goes and do does their own thing, it kind of takes away some of the the magic of seeing Alabama play Ohio state or Georgia playing Oklahoma in a playoff game. I I think that would kind of do a disservice, but I think the, what they're saying is like, listen, we're good with or without you. Now, do you want us to be with you? Now let's come back to the table and let's make something happen.
0: And Steven, you know, the big 10, like the big 10 can't do this. Like they've got Ohio state. They've got like, there's a big difference between Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state, Penn state four four really awesome brands. But like the two big sellers, there would be your Michigan's and your Ohio states. Right. A little mm-hmm. bit of drop off after that. The, the sec could be like, look, we've got Bama. We've got Georgia. We've got Florida. We've got LSU. We've got Auburn. You know, we've got all these, like, you know, like, they, they've got, uh, how, I guess, how many schools you could say in the last uh, decade plus have won a title, right? At least, what, four? Five. Auburn, Alabama, LSU, um, Georgia, you know, if you could say a little bit further than that, Florida, right? How many does the Big Ten have? One. They have mm-hmm. one. So, you know, they couldn't, like and, and look, it would feel bad. I mean, you know, I think we'd all be like, okay, well, you know, we should be giving Ohio State a shot, but, like, once again, the Alliance has put, this, put, put us in this spot. So go ahead and talk, Stephen, while I get a charger for my laptop.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I hate the idea of it. And, yeah, yeah, there is a ton of depth in the SEC at the top. Now, are people going to tune in to watch Vandy in Kentucky? No, but there's plenty at the top there to keep interest. I do feel like this would turn off. I think the SEC could survive it. I think they're the only league that could. I think this turns off a lot of the nation, though. Um, Now, you still have a ton of NFL talent. You have a lot of people that are going to watch. And, I mean, it it is the best of the best, you know, when you're talking about those four or five teams at the top of that conference. But, it's uh, again, it's a lack of vision. And I think in college athletics in general, there's just not a lot of people that sort of see down the line. And so now you have an SEC conglomerate that's upset. Uh, because they feel sort of slighted. And so they're saying, okay, well, we'll just start our own league. And I think it's risky, um, but they could get it done. uh, And it would really kill the balance of college football and change the sport as we know it. But um, I feel like cooler heads will prevail here. And I I don't know who it would be. I think they would almost still need a partner to take with them. But it's an intriguing idea, and we've discussed this before, This is kind of where it's going college ball, just breaking further and further away from, you know, the old NCAA model. Jake. So
0: are you with Steven? Is this just a threat? Just something for us to chew on and think about from old Greg.
3: Let's put it this way: uh, Greg Sankey thinks that alliance is a whole steaming pile of you know what. That's the, that's the, this is saber rattling. This is him saying, "Okay, you guys are going to kibosh a, a a plan that I put together. We spent months on him. Uh, it was Craig Thompson from Mountain West Conference, as well as Jack Swarbrick from Notre Dame. I believe they were the three. There might have been one more. And part Bob, of, Big Bob, yeah, big Bob, Bob, Bullsby. Bullsby. Yeah, Bob I forgot about Bob. Yeah, Bob Bowlesby was also part of that. They made this plan. They put together a very comprehensive plan for a twelve-team playoff, and then this alliance goes out and just kind of kiboshes it this is totally him just sending a giant fu to the to that alliance saying okay y'all don't want to play ball guess what we'll take our ball we'll go home and guess what you're going to pay for it as a result yeah i mean I, i'm fine
0: like i also like we don't love it we don't love the sec here right really. no no, no. Like, but we can't blame them because they tried yeah like this, the they could we were all involved in this and so this you know there's this is the the dominoes falling here have been have been absolutely ridiculous. Ever since the Texas and Oklahoma stuff, like I'm I'm so over that. And I think once again the big catch for me is so was Bob Bowlsby in the Big Twelve. I just don't get like the ACC signs this horrific television contract. Here's an opportunity for more money with the CFP, right? No, thanks. We're going to turn that down. Okay. The PAC 12, you hired George Klyavkov, this guy from, you know, the, the media, Oh, I guess not media side, but entertainment side. MGM. Yeah. Right. From the entertainment side, because you hate the PAC 12 network. You don't like the exposure and you guess what, as opposed to giving yourself a really good chance, you could have gotten, you know, the 12 team playoff, you would have gotten one in and give yourself a chance for more exposure and primetime games you said no because there are some nebulous unresolved issues around college football like the Big Ten's fine either the Big Ten's going to be fine either way right we're seeing that right now um now once again they would have gotten more than one team in this year if they had you know they, they you know or whenever it is they're lying, they will so they really shouldn't be turning it down but like the the ACC you know I feel like there's a bunch of children I'm looking at right here and I'm like you know Big Ten you're fine but ACC and Pac twelve, I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> like, what the hell are we thinking here? I, we've been saying this on these shows for a while now, but this doesn't this crystallize it a little bit more. Like what? Like you you can't take your ball and go home, Pac twelve or ACC. You can't, and and you now put everybody else in a bad position now because of your all's unwillingness. I don't know, folks. I'm fired up. Anybody else got anything else they want to <laughs> say before we
3: get out of here on this? Well, I just, uh, I the biggest thing is I think that the SEC operated in good faith. Greg Sankey didn't have to play ball on any of this. He could have left it. The four teams been just fine with it. He went and put together that plan, worked people, got things in order. And for the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12, for different reasons, mainly the ACC and the Pac-12, to turn their back on it and kill it, he's got to be thinking, okay, you guys are dumber than a box of rocks, and I'm just going to do my thing, and I don't care about y'all anymore. I'm doing what is in my best interest now. I
2: love it, man. I I I don't necessarily love the idea of them doing their own playoff, but I love all of the uh, the rivalries that are coming up now off the field. This is fantastic. This is, you know, the Monday Night Wars in college football right now. Greg Sankey, he's you know he's. Vince McMahon or Ted Turner, whichever one you want to make him.
0: He's got like, multiple feuds too. He's got he's got the you know Jimbo and, and, and Jimbo and Saban are feuding, feud, and he's got to deal with that. He's got these road conference commissioners who he's got to put out. You know he's got to tell Goldberg to calm down over right. there. You know he's 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 got, it's got a lot going on.
2: Yeah. And then you, you know, you've got the Pac 12, you know, having to do a new commissioner, the Big 12 getting a new commissioner, NCAA is getting a new commissioner. Like, this is just intriguing stuff all the time. Don't you love college football?
0: I know. It's just, it's ridiculous. I'm not really sure what we're doing here. All right, folks. Uh, time to do the plugs for the evening. Steven,
1: where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? I'm at Simcock Stephen on Twitter. The show is at TCU. Uh, Locked on horn Frogs on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcast. Uh, TCU Baseball, they won the regular season Big 12 title. They start in the Big 12 tournament uh, Wednesday afternoon. Thank you, John, for winning the first two games against Tech and then dropping that last game to make sure that the Frogs got an outright championship. That's right. Uh, so plenty of coverage of postseason baseball and Locked on horn Frogs.
0: I have to say that was the most backing your way into a title I've ever seen in my life. That thing changed hands three times. and could have been partially a fourth in one week of the season, which was unbelievable. Still Uh, counts, baby. Hang the banner. Yeah. Hang the banner. John, where can people find you and your work and all what's variety also? Congrats to OU and congrats to, uh, to on, on baseball and softball. Yeah. Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at
2: John nine Williams and the show is at locked on Sooners on Twitter, locked on Sooners podcast on Facebook, also available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. The Oklahoma Sooners dominated their Norman regional outscoring their opponents 37 to two. Get ready to take on future big 12 member UCF in the super regionals. there in Norman at Marita Hines field. Another great May of Oklahoma softball coming at you.
3: And then Jake. All right, you can follow me at Jacob C. Hatch. I got something cool going on over on Locked On Cougar. So, even if you're a Big 12 fan, you want some free BYU swag. I got this stuff. I've been holding on to this for oh, a while. Like so that. right That's here. dope. I want that's that a cool one. And then I've got this poll over as well. What we're doing, we, re- we reached 500 subscribers on YouTube. So anybody who follows locked on Cougars on YouTube, and you also follow us on social media in one of the forms or fashions, if you email me, show me verification of doing a social media, follow locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also let me know that you subscribed on YouTube. You're entered to win. So that's, it's simple as that. Email me locked on BYU at gmail.com. And yeah, if you're a, Big 12 fan who wants some BYU swag, I'll put you in the drawing to win it. So there you go. I do already have my BYU shirt. so uh, okay, That hat's awesome. I already, I already do have my shirt. Uh,
0: folks, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show wherever you guys get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. I just want to shout out really fast. Um, the passion of the San Diego State fans out here has been un- Unbelievable. There are people tweeting at me and then retweeting what they are tweeting at me to bring attention to my attention again. Graphics of how good San Diego State football has been of late because they were offended that I did not add them in my who should the Big 12 add in potential expansion expansion down the line. Josh. Um, so people are liking, retweeting, sending stuff. San Diego State Army is out there. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> Maybe lay off me on Twitter like three and a half more hours a day. Give you a little bit more wiggle room and time. Have you Aztecs
2: fans it? really want to make that trip to Orlando? The, oh or yeah,
0: they, they want it, They're like, We we'll play, you know, Montana State, we'll play with Hawaii and UCF, and we love it. You know, they 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 want to rack up the frequent flyer miles. That's, San, that's what they've expressed
3: to me. BYU fans are very familiar with San Diego State. They spend many years in both the WAC and the Mountain West together. There are two fan bases who love to get after it on social media. They are rabid. Those Aztec fans. So I, I know
0: the it. most passionate San Diego team. I have. They, to,
3: I have to good, them. good point. They, but they'll get after you. So credit to San Diego State fans. But I'm, I'm with Josh. Lay off a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> All right, guys.
0: Four, next dollars and John. more. Yeah, it's just keep harassing me until I do until have to do an episode. It's like, should the Big 12 add San Diego State. That could be coming in the summer. You never know. Uh, all right, guys. It was fun. We'll talk to you all next week.